Hey there, I want to introduce you to Diane Hall. I did this interview with her a couple weeks ago and I was just blown away by her. I found her on TikTok and I was like, oh my gosh, this girl needs to come and share her story. She is a solo budget backpacker, podcaster, and freelancer who's been nomadic for almost four years. She started her journey with a solo trip in India and hasn't stopped since. She hosts this podcast. It's called While She's Away, and she does interviews with women who have travel experience, and they kind of share their expertise in order to help other women live their best lives exploring the world. She's currently a freelancer working in content creation and podcast management. Uh, She has done it all like in the name of being able to see as much of the world as possible, and she's really excited to share all the things that she's learned in her experiences here in this episode. So let's get started. All right, Tiani. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your travels, your backstory, all that kind of stuff. So we can really get to know like how this whole traveling adventure all started. Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. And hi, my name is Diani. I am a solo female traveler. I've been traveling for four years almost now, I think was my first backpacking trip, which is kind of crazy to say how that time goes. Um, But how this all started, I'll give you like a quick rundown. All through childhood and stuff, we never really traveled much besides the basic trips to like Florida that you do. Um, I was raised in New Jersey in the States and I didn't travel internationally until I was 14. I grew up very Christian. So we had like mission trips, which now I'm fully aware problematic, but at the time I was unaware of that fact and went on a mission trip to Honduras for nine days, which was the first time I'd been outside of the country. Um, It was nine days of no contact with your friends and family. So I really got to just like explore it head on. And I remember being nervous, of course, going, but like being excited and not being able to talk to friends and family, like didn't bother me. I was super happy to be there, fully feeling immersed. And that was kind of like the eye-opening eye-opening thing for me of, oh, I want to keep exploring more. Like there are things out here that I didn't know were out here. So I remember all through the rest of high school and university trying to find ways that I could do that. I was like, maybe I could go to the Peace Corps or maybe I could study abroad. Um, But none of those really panned out or they were maybe too expensive for me to do. And so once I'd graduated university, I was supposed to get my master's in social work right out of, uh, right out of undergrad. And about a month before that was supposed to start, I decided that I instead was going to not do that and nanny for a year. Cause I was already nannying. So I was going to like pick up some extra jobs and just save up as much money as I could and go backpacking to India and Southeast Asia. And my family was like very confused by that. Um, at first, But they were also very supportive in that they just wanted me to do what was going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And they saw that this was that. And that was kind of how the first, these past four years have started. I took that first trip to India by myself and traveled through Vietnam and Laos and Thailand for a total of four months. And after that, it was just how am I going to do more of this? Basically, how am I going to keep going? 
And so over the past four years, I've figured out different ways to keep making that happen from teaching English in Spain through an auxiliar program for eight months to being an au pair to volunteering while I'm traveling to now doing freelance work to fund my travels while I'm traveling. And it's just been a progression of figuring out as I've gone and just wanting to keep travel more. That's so cool. So can I ask how old you are now? Yeah, I'm 26. I turned 27 in May and I started when I was like 23. I'm pretty sure. Okay. You got like an early start for me. I went the whole traditional route and tried to do it all right. You know, like I didn't get a master's, but graduate college. Then I met a guy and then it was like building a business together. But then my heart was like, oh my gosh, something is missing. Like the adventure is missing. So at least you got to do it like early. Do you see yourself doing, how long do you see yourself living this kind of lifestyle? That's a good question that I get sometimes. And I don't really know because I think it's something that I'll just do until it no longer feels right. Mm -hmm. Um, But as of right now, it's something that I can see myself continually doing, whether I mean, I don't really see myself living in the States. I'm here right now because I come back periodically to like visit family and, Mm -hmm. you know, be here for a little bit. But this next trip that I'm doing through Central and South America is kind of just open-ended. Like next year or two, if I see myself settling somewhere in Central or South America, possibly, I definitely see myself living somewhere abroad. Um, And I just know that like in some capacity, travel will always be a major part of my life. I just don't know what that look that'll look like in the future, but right now my life revolves around my ability to travel. Yeah. And I think one of the fears that most women have when they think about the idea of traveling is it really goes back to like a subconscious fear of as human beings we have this need for like a balance of uncertainty and certainty. And when you have this traveling lifestyle, you have to deal with an extreme amount of uncertainty. So how do you balance that? Is there times where you're like getting stressed because you don't know the next step of the plan? Yes. Um, I will say that there's a certain level of kind of living in survival mode when Mm -hmm. you're constantly moving. And I really noticed that over my last six month trip, I just, I keep saying I just got back. It was a few months ago, but I I was recently in um, Europe for six months and Mm -hmm. I was traveling through 10 different countries. And it was also when I was starting to work and travel at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like, I couldn't travel really in the traditional way that I had been before, kind of just freely picking up and coming when I wanted, coming and going as I wanted Mm -hmm. to. I needed a little bit more stability because I was also needing to meet deadlines for clients and things like that. Um, and so I had to learn how to step out of that survival mode of just, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm ready to like randomly go to a different place tomorrow. Um, and being in that survival mode and constantly taking care of your basic needs of like, how am I going to get there? Where am I going? Where am I staying? Doesn't really allow you to enjoy because Mm -hmm. you're kind of in like a heightened place of anxiety. Um, So what I have found is staying in places for longer periods of time definitely helps a lot. Um, One thing that I did, I'm I'm 
goodness gracious. One thing I did on my most recent trip that helps a lot is volunteering while during my stay because I do a lot of budget traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, Volunteering allows me to stay in places more long-term and for no cost because I'm staying for free. So I did a month volunteering at a dog hotel in Croatia. And that month allowed me to really ground down, create a routine, get familiar with the place that I was at and step outside of that survival mode a little bit and kind of find comfort in a new place and in, in a new environment and in, and goodness gracious, in what would usually be an uncomfortable space, finding yeah. comfort in that space. Um So those are things that I try to do now and going forward will do to minimize that kind of like heightened anxiety um, that comes with the uncertainty of constantly, constantly moving. So you were moving like once a week or after a few days or and now you're staying for like weeks or months in different places. It was kind of a um, it was kind of a spectrum, honestly. So. With my travels, I would do a combination of like short stints and then longer stints. Um, But usually the short stints are really back to back. So I was like moving really quickly where sometimes spending just a few days in one place, um, which is not for me and really exhausting, truly, truly exhausting. And so... I would do like maybe 10 days volunteering at a hostel and then a few days bouncing around and then a month here and then two weeks at a house sitting. And so I did like a combination of things, um, which I found maybe works if you have like two weeks in one place. Okay. Then you're hopping around a little bit for a week, maybe. And then a month in one place and just kind of spacing it out. So it's not just hopping around, Mm -hmm. but now going forward, my goal is to spend at least a month, minimum of a month in each place. And I think part of that is mental too, Mm -hmm. because I feel like when we're traveling, we feel like we have to move really quickly. Like there's so much to see. There's so much to do. I have to keep going. Um, And it's forcing me to learn how to slow down within my travels of like, you have an unlimited amount of time, Diani. There's no deadline to this. You don't need to go to five different places in a matter of a few weeks. Spend a month here, ground down here, get to know this place, find your favorite coffee shop, make friends, you know, get to really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then when you feel ready, you'll be refreshed enough and like excited to get to know more deeply another place. Um, So that's kind of like the transition that I'm in of kind of forcing myself to slow down and relax in the way that I travel. Well, I feel like there's two types of traveler, young travelers, like these nomads in, and there's the ones I've met where they are like, have this like FOMO, the fear of missing out on the next thing. And they're just constantly moving. And so you meet them and you're like, oh, we're like vibing. And they're like, yeah, I'm leaving in two days. And I'm like, you just got here. And I, I personally, to be able to balance the certainty and uncertainty, I've never been able to do the like three days here, three days there, taking a bus over here, doing this. Like I just went to Carretero, Mexico, and I was only going to stay for a week. And I was like, I'm really vibing with this. I ended up staying for five weeks before I finally had to come back to Oregon. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to go back to where I've been living. And then I'll go back, you know, and like feeling out because I feel like I'm, I'm always looking for what feels like home. And then I'm still looking for a home base. Okay. Do you feel like you're kind of, do you have a home base? Because you were saying that you're haven't figured out 
you want to live outside the U.S., but are you actively doing that in the places you're doing going like, oh, maybe this will be a home base. And then from here, I can continue my travels. Is that on your mind? Or are you still like? That's a good question. I have found little home bases in places that I've been for, like mm-hmm. I told you, I lived in Spain for a year total, but I taught English in one location for eight months. Uh-huh. So that was, that was a home base. It wasn't like a, I could see myself here forever home base. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's something that I'm looking for right now. Mm-hmm. Even if I did like find a place I really loved in Central or South America and was like, okay, I want to stay here. I think if I sign on for a home base right now, it would probably be like a year max. Yeah. Well, um, a home base is like thinking forever. And it like, isn't it interesting though? Like when we were younger, like success was permanency. Like our grandparents is, and even our parents, like having a home, like I'm currently staying, like you can see behind me, this is not my house, (laughs) but this is like what houses look like when you live in them for decades with all the things. And that used to be a form of success. And now our generation, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm 32, but us nomaded people, we're like, success is being able to flow. Mm-hmm. And, 100%. So, and success is being able to stay somewhere until you're like tired of it. And you're like, oh, it's time. I can feel that time for something new. Yeah. And I, I think as nomads, specifically younger generation and nomads, whatever combination you want mm-hmm. to call it, like you said, our definition of success is so different. Yeah. And so I think getting becoming okay with that, you know, like I don't want that thing and it's okay that I don't want that thing. And it's okay that I want to move around more and I want to live in places for only a year. And maybe I don't want to buy a house, you know, because I don't see myself staying anywhere forever. And maybe eventually that'll change. But I think it's not just like recognizing that what we want is different, but becoming okay with that and not feeling like we have to change that in order to fit into what like other people are doing. Because I know as nomads, um, we're moving around a lot and such, but I'm assuming you as well also have a lot of friends who are starting to settle down, mm-hmm. who who are getting married, who are buying houses, who are doing those things. And so when you like know those people and you're around that, part of you is also like, oh, you know, should I be should I be doing that as well? Is that something that like I'm supposed to be doing right now? But remembering that there is no supposed to, that you create whatever it is you want your version of success to be. And if that for us is moving every year or every six months or every three years, then that's okay too. Yeah. But it can feel, I've always been someone that considered myself really ambitious. And I was always trying to do like, I thought I'd be a millionaire by 30. Like that whole thing was like real in my mind. And now after having let go of the real estate and the dream of having the house and all the things because I had it and I realized I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I would. I feel so much better with less. And, but you come back to the U S and around people that really like that idea of that, that vision of success. And they look at you and they're like, you're like unstable, you know, (laughs) you just can't understand it. So yeah, you have to step into that and be okay with the judgment from other people of them thinking you're like a little bit crazy. That is one of the things I struggle with the most with coming back to the U.S. I think my transition every time I come back 
gets harder and harder mm-hmm. um, because you've experienced more and more and you've been outside of this like American bubble. And then you come back and you're like, oh no, this is not what I want. This is not it. But I I struggle with coming back every time because that gets kind of put in your face more and more of like, this is how you're supposed to do it or whatever the case may be. And I think I have so many value differences than what is a part of American society. Like, like you said, the become a millionaire by 30 and all of those things. Like we live in an extremely capitalistic hustle culture society. And so that is what's ingrained in us. Like how much money are you making? How many side hustles do you have? Like, what are you doing? And what do you have? What do you have? have? Yeah. What do you have? What are you doing? But not how are you enjoying, Mm -hmm. but not how happy are you, but not who are you being, you know? And I think part of traveling is realizing like that those things, who I'm being, how happy I am, have so much more value to me than how much I have or what I'm doing, if that makes sense. And so every time I come back, it's like re put in my face of like, my values are just different than being here. And that's part of the reason that I don't see myself here long-term. But I will also say that it's interesting because I think, yes, there's judgment, but also a lot of people that I know who are my age, who are settling down or are in long-term relationships or working a nine to five that they don't necessarily love. I tell them about what I'm doing and they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I wish I could do that. So I think there's also just a level of like fear in doing something differently. Mm -hmm. When you show them that it's possible that you're doing something differently, they maybe it's like, okay, that's weird. It's outside of what's normal, but they also admire it because it's a representation of like, you can do something different. It doesn't always have to be the way that we've been taught it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think that's something that really should be talked about more is the struggle of coming back to the U S after you've been outside of it. And how there's this huge community of people that don't it's like when you're I I never in my life thought like growing up thought I'd be living in another country like never because I was like full in bought into the indoctrination of the dream and I was like and make that happen but at like 25 years old after I had achieved all of it the depression set in And it was like, is this it? Like I worked so hard for this thing right here and I still don't feel fulfilled. Like this isn't, I just feel broken. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where that quarter, did you, you're you're almost there, but did you ever hit like a quarter life crisis or did you like evade that? I had a hard quarter life crisis. It hit me hard. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's when so many people make their transition is when it like hits them hard, you know, like they achieve all the things, like you said, by the time they're 25 and they're like, so this is just what I'm supposed to do for the next like 40, 50 years of my life. Like, and then they have that quarter life crisis and they're like, I'm out, you know, anytime you meet digital nomads, it's something along those lines of that's how they ended up making their tradition and transition. And now they're traveling full time because they hit that. And I think that's the difference between us and then people who continue on the regular route, even if they're not happy, because maybe that make making that transition is too scary or like they don't see it as an option. And so they feel like they have to keep continuing. But in terms of me, I don't know if I ever really had a quarter life crisis. I mean, when I first left to India, 
I guess that would be the closest thing because it felt like I was just burning my life to the ground. Like I mm-hmm. had a partner um, and we were together for a while. We were living together and I moved out of our apartment. Like I left that lease. I packed up all my stuff and put it into storage. I dropped, I had gotten accepted into a master's program. I dropped, I've dropped it. Um, so there was all these parts where it was literally burning my life down mm-hmm. and just taking off. And I remember getting to India and like that first night just crying. Cause I was like, what am I doing? What, where am I? What am I doing? How did we get here? Like what is happening? And it took me a little bit of time to transition, which is something I tell people a lot, like give yourself some space and time when you're first making that transition. Cause it's not easy. Um, but after a while, like I realized like I'm where I'm meant to be. This is what I want to be doing. It's just that initial like 180 that you yeah. do and you have no clue what's going on, but it just takes a little bit of time to like get comfortable in that new space and that new way of living. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because when I first went to Mexico, my first four days, I almost went back to the airport and went home because I got to the, I was like all hyped up and you get on the taxi from the airport and you get to wherever you're going. And then you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, what the hell did I do with my life? Like, because I, and it's the Phoenix rising story, right? Like you have to burn down the old version of yourself and your old life in order to step into the new one. And then something beautiful arises, but there's that uncomfortable period of like transitioning from the old version into the new. And yeah, I cried for like four days. I slept on the couch for four days. I didn't leave the condo except to go get food. And I'm so glad I made it through that uncomfortableness because Mm -hmm. then the rest of the story is absolutely magical. But yeah, yeah, people don't realize that's something that no one talks about. No one ever told me that was going to happen. None of the fancy YouTubers that talk about traveling and whatever, they don't talk about that moment because I feel like if you're not strong enough, you people can miss out because they end up going back. A hundred percent. I'm really glad that you mentioned that and that we're talking about this because I actually have like people in my DMs being like, I'm leaving in a week and I'm really, really scared. Like, did you feel this way? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I had so much anxiety. I I have journals filled with like, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And they're like, okay, I just got here. Like, I'm feeling really anxious or I'm sad. Like, I'm not supposed to be sad. This is supposed to be amazing. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to feel whatever it is you're feeling. There's no like guideline for what you should be feeling. And it's, and it's not talked about. It's not no. talked about at all. And I think part of it is like you mourning that old life that you had, you know, like you just made a huge transition. Things have changed so much. It's so unfamiliar. And maybe part of you is like sad that all of that ended, or maybe you're scared that you made the wrong decision. There's so many feelings that are coming up and all you can do is let yourself feel them yeah. as soon as it's happening. And then it passes. And not that not to say that it's never hard ever again, of course, but the feelings do pass. You do find beauty and enjoy- enjoyment in this new travel, this new life that you're living. It just takes time to transition as it does with literally anything that we do in life. But it's not, like you said, I completely agree. It's not something that we ever 
ever talk about or hear. Like I, now that you mentioned that, like no one makes Instagram reels about how, how miserable you are for the first few days when you make that transition. And so that's what I tell people always all the time. Like if I'm talking to them one-on-one, like be really, really patient with yourself those first few days. It's going to be hard. Just letting you know that right now, it's going to be hard. It might not be so fun, but Allow yourself to hibernate if that's what you need. Take the time to journal or meditate, go walk around or just lay down, whatever it is that you need in those first few days. Give that to yourself until you feel ready to enjoy. Don't feel guilty for getting to a new place and like not immediately going and seeing the sights and making friends and all of those things. Your journey is your journey and it's going to look different from what you've seen on socials and all other people's journeys because it's yours. And so it can look like whatever you want it to. Yeah. And you have to just give yourself what you need. Yeah. And so much personal growth comes from, you're going to be so much stronger after you make it out the other side of that uncomfortableness, because like, I look at myself and I'm not the same person I was when I first came to Mexico. It was like, that was like the metamorphosis of like, mm-hmm. like the uncomfortableness was like going from being a caterpillar to then cocooning and then becoming a butterfly. Yeah. And it's not going to happen just one time. It's going to happen again and again and again and again. Every time, Um, every single time you go again, every single time you take another trip, every single time you leave again, you're like, oh, I got this now. Like, no, there's always a new obstacle, a new version of yourself. And that might sound hard for a lot of people maybe listening. And they're like, that doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to do that. What, what is the point of it? There's no benefit in it. And we said personal development. And of course, there's so many beautiful sides of travel, but I will say maybe it's not for everyone, you know, like not everybody wants to live in that hard place sometimes. Like maybe comfort is more comfortable to you or more important to you than constantly chasing the discomfort or constantly being uncomfortable. And that's okay too. There's no nothing wrong with living a different version of life. I just think that these struggles and these hardships that come with living this way are so worth it for all the beautiful parts of it that we get to enjoy. Yeah. And you kind of become a little bit addicted to the uncomfortableness. Like now when I go back to something that feels super familiar, I'm just like, oh, this is boring. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's hard to stay still. Like I find myself really struggling to be still. My family here in Jersey like lives in the suburbs, in the middle of nowhere. And there's like a cul-de-sac with like five houses on this corner street. And I'm like, I was just like riding around on the back of motorbikes in Lisbon and like playing with dogs in Croatia and going, sneaking into like concerts and like doing all these fun things. And now I'm here and I have to give myself time to like slow down, settle into this and be okay with being still too, because yeah. that can be hard when you're constantly moving and and have all these like new experiences. You got to learn how to be still as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I feel like there was, um, I started seeing a guy in Carethro and I was hanging out with his family and one of them made a comment about, oh, you like exotic things. And it's kind of like you get so you get so addicted to the new, the new, the new, and it's true. You have to be able to come back and be like, okay, I'm just going to sit and and decide what the next thing's going to be. Because if you're always distracted by those shiny objects and the new adventures and the adrenaline, mm-hmm. you, you, it's hard to really realign. Right. But, yeah. 
Yeah. But one thing I do want to touch on it before we run out of time is I'm sure you get it a lot of questions like this on your, in your DMS is have you ever felt unsafe? Because growing up in the U S there's a lot of propaganda against life outside the U S that's dangerous and all these things, especially as a a solo female traveling. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt unsafe or generally do you feel safe traveling by yourself? Great question. And I love that you mentioned like the propaganda as Americans about what goes on in other parts of the world, because I'm leaving to Mexico actually at the end of this month. Oh, and I'm starting in Mexico city. Um, and then after that, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Well, if you're come to Cretro in April, I'm going to be there. Okay. Maybe I, I'm not sure where I'm going to be, but maybe if I do, I'll let you know, we can, we'll keep in touch and I'll tell you if I'm there. Um, But I'm heading to Mexico. And of course, we've all heard the things about going to Mexico. My brother yesterday is sending me pictures about the two Americans that recently were killed there in in Mexico. And he's like, oh, well, just be careful. It's really dangerous. And I try to take those things with a grain of salt. I Honestly, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Because first of all, if we're just talking about Mexico, it's a huge country huge country. Do you know where exactly these people were killed? Like there's so many layers and ask, what were they doing? You know, were they being reckless? Were they out late drunk or something? You know, there's so many layers and aspects to it. And it's not just two people were killed. Okay. Two people could have been killed here in my neighborhood. Like it doesn't define a country and it doesn't define whether you should or shouldn't be going or how safe it is. Um, So anyway, I'm going to step off my soapbox and answer your question about my own safety. I have always, thankfully, and I know this isn't the case for every solo female traveler, but personally, I have always kind of felt safe where I've been. I don't think there's ever been a scenario where I felt really, there has been one and I'll share that story. But just in terms of like after traveling 20 countries by myself, I have felt that locals are almost all the time, very welcoming, very open, very loving. If anything, when I was in Vietnam and I was walking down an area that was maybe a little bit unsafe, locals would be like, Hey, this is probably not an area you should be in. And like, yeah. And would like direct you to another way or like offer help and assistance Uh and things like that. So I've always found people to be so lovely. And I think we forget that like I think traveling shows you how much humanity and kindness there really is. And I choose not to live in that place of fear. That being said, I did have one experience that was really uncomfortable. And I think that was more out of my own negligence in this scenario. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times if you do end up in scenarios, not to, not to like victim blame or make it your fault at all, but there are a lot of things you can do to be extra cautious on your travels to make sure you're being as safe as possible. I was not. I was trying to not spend any money because I was on a really tight budget. And so I was was, um, couch surfing and I had couch surfed in, oh my goodness, where was I? Budapest. I had couch surfed in Budapest and I had a lovely experience. I stayed with a man and it was just me and him in his apartment, but I had my own room and the door locked and I felt super safe. He was lovely. We had a great time. And then I was like, okay, I can do this again. I'm going to Berlin now. So I was messaging with a few people and there was one guy and he had a studio space. 
Um, so we were sharing like one big space and I was like, Hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. But he was, he had a ton of great reviews. Like his whole profile was full of reviews from people. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like, okay, just went with that. And he even said, he was like, just so you know, it's a studio space in case you feel uncomfortable. Um, I know you're traveling alone, but just so you know, so everything was fine. I showed up, we went to dinner first before I went to his place just to kind of like chat and gauge each other out. He was a bit older, but everything seemed fine when we first met. And then we got to his place and I got in kind of late. So by the time we got back to his place, it was like 1230, almost 1am. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were chatting and having a beer. And then things got weird because he, I had asked, I'm like, oh, tell me about some of your past, like, um, um, couch surfing experiences. You've hosted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And he started telling, he kept mentioning like, oh, I had one really bad experience. And you know, when you just, your intuition's like, no, I don't, (laughs) I don't know how I feel. I kind of had a gut feeling that once he told me that story, I was not going to feel so comfortable, but he kept hinting at it and I didn't ask, but then he offered up the information. And basically he gave me the whole rundown with details and everything of, um, of him being accused. He told me of raping a woman that had stayed with him. Oh my Um, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And he gave very full, like graphic details of everything. Um, and that of course made me very uncomfortable because I am in this man's, um, home it's 1am. So I'm like, how am I going to leave? I was on a very small budget, so I didn't have a ton of money to be like, let me go find somewhere to stay. But basically, um, I didn't tell him I felt uncomfortable. I was texting with a friend and they were like, see if you can leave. And at this point I was traveling without data, so I could only use Wi-Fi. I was just all around, not the best choices. Um, but basically he went to the bathroom and my fight or flight kicked in. And within like 30 seconds, I just decided I had went to the bathroom before he did. So I started looking up hostels then. So I found one nearby. And then when he went to the bathroom, I called a um, grab I called to grab and I basically grabbed all my shit and ran. Sorry. I don't know if I can. It's fine. (laughs) I grabbed all my shit and like ran down the stairs and ran outside and hid behind a car until the grab came. Um, But he came outside and he was like, where did you go? And I was like, I got in the grab and I was like, I'm sorry. I just felt really uncomfortable and I wanted to leave. And he was like, oh, but you could have told me that obviously I'm not going to tell you because you know, I don't know how you're going to react to that or whatever the case. Um, so I think that was the only situation where my intuition was screaming at me of Mm -hmm. like, and I was like, maybe I could just stay the night. Like he said, he's leaving early in the morning, but I just knew I would have not felt comfortable the entire time. And so I, I just left. Um, and I've learned from that going forward that I, Probably won't stay with men again, um, couch surfing or wouldn't in like a one room studio case scenario mm-hmm. and would just make sure that I do have enough funds to like, well, I did. I was able to get a hostel and take a grab to the hostel, but not just settling for that because it's the cheapest option. Yeah. If I feel like it's a situation where I won't feel safe, just opting for the hostel instead, if I have to do that. Yeah. And I think that speaks wonders to how safe it is outside the U.S. Because if you've spent years and like all this time traveling and that is the one bad experience, I feel like most of us women can talk. Like, I know for me, the one bad experience I've had in Mexico, I could speak on like 15, 20 bad experiences I've had in the U.S. And 
Yeah. I've only ever had one experience in Mexico where I was out late at night with a friend and, with, and she had a baby at the time and we were trying to get a taxi in the town of Pathgro and mm-hmm. none of the taxis would help us. Like it was the weirdest thing because this is not, this is like a touristy town. So we ended up walking late at night through a market that was all closed. Nothing happened, like nothing, but we were just like a little bit like, we should probably not be walking through this part of town by ourselves with your baby, like late at night, night. Uh, nothing happened, but that was the only time of all the traveling. I've taken buses all over Mexico. I've been on all sorts of dates. Like I've, everyone has always been so lovely. Yeah. And that's, that's why I said too, a lot of times you end up realizing more by being outside of the U.S. how much human kindness there really is. And I've felt more unsafe in, I just got back from a month visiting a friend in Miami and like have felt more unsafe in Miami or New Jersey or parts of New York than I have being halfway across the world in Thailand or Vietnam or other places. So yeah, that, that's something that I would really love for people to keep in mind is that like, don't take with a grain of salt things that people tell you here in the States, if that's where you're from. And I always say like, if you haven't been there, then don't tell me anything about that country. Like I will find out for myself or I'll talk to someone who has been. And if, if another female traveler has experienced something while they were traveling in that country on their own, okay, fine. That's information that I will take and consider. But if you haven't been there and you're trying to tell me how dangerous it is, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause when I first started telling people I was going to go to Mexico and I was closing down my business and going to do this, they were all just like, well, didn't you hear about the one time they kidnapped that person? It was like 30 years ago or there, well, there, you know, negative, um, was it negative dissonance? Dissonance? Dissonance. Yeah. There's like a concept where, uh, negative bias, maybe that's it, where, where you hear one negative thing and you take it as fact, but you don't consider that millions of times it has been fine. Like doing that mm-hmm. thing has been fine, but you hold on to the one negative thing as if it's going to happen every time. I mean, our brain does that to keep us safe, but we have to realize that it's not actually reality. A hundred percent agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I want to wrap this up. And last question, what, what is one thing you want to make sure all women know? Like your number one piece of advice. Mm. Wow. That's a good question. Um, I think the one thing that I've learned through all of my travels and the more that I do travel is how capable I am. Um, And I think that's something that we aren't necessarily like taught or ingrained with. And I guess now as newer generations like Gen Z, they're very empowered, you know, they know they can do the damn thing. And I love that about them. Um, But I think we're we feel very limited in what we're capable of as women a lot of the time. And when you start solo traveling and you do all these things on your own, it really makes you see how capable you are. And it gives you more confidence in your ability to do things and not even just travel related, but like try new things in general. 
Like I never thought I'd move to Spain to teach English, but I did it. And now I'm like, oh, I know that I can move to a new country. I know that I can figure out and learn the language. I know that I can teach English in a remote school in this small town in the south of Spain. I know that I can become an au pair. I know that I can learn how to drive stick on a road trip through Spain. Like all of these things give you so much more confidence in yourself. And so I would say like, I believe every woman should take a solo trip. And even if it's just a weekend trip alone to a city an hour away from you, yeah. it will give you a sense of confidence knowing that you can do that thing. And I think that's really powerful because it creates belief in yourself where it's like, okay, now maybe I can start that business. You know, maybe I can do that other thing because I feel more confident in who I am and my ability to do things in life. And so that would be my biggest thing is to do it. And you'll realize how much more capable you actually are than you might think you are right now. I love that. I love that. So how can, where can everybody find you on social media? Well, I have my own podcast. If you want to come take a listen, that one is specifically for women. It's called While She's Away. And I, I interview that. and do solo episodes, but it's, I interview women on their travel experience and expertise. Um, and they share their stories, anything from solo travel to how to become a freelancer and travel around the world to extreme budget travel. And we just dive into a range of different topics. So you can come listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all the places. Um, if you want to come find me on Instagram or TikTok, which is where you found me, TikTok is at while she's away. And that's just a bunch of travel related content and some of my more intimate, reckless decisions while I'm traveling. So if you want to know more about me, that would probably be the place to do it. Um, and then on Instagram, it's a lot of just travel related content to help you travel for cheap, travel longer and travel as a solo female. So on Instagram, it's at while she's away pod. And those are all the places you can come hang out with me. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to include those in the show notes so everybody can find you. And once again, I really appreciate this. This has been super fun. Yeah. I had a really lovely time. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel so energized after having these conversations. So thank you so much. Yeah. It's like the best thing ever to connect with like-minded other women. A hundred percent. Thank you. Are you an ambitious and independent woman who's ready to start attracting your aligned masculine partner, but have struggled with settling in the past? Join the free masterclass to start attracting him in less than 30 days by tapping into a hidden feminine superpower that you already have. Go to girlstopcrying.com to sign up.